This is the Design Spark Podcast. Yes, that's right. The Design Spark Podcast. Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill, and Harriet Brain. We are the presenters, so you'll be entertained as we talk about tech and we have a good laugh about the past and the present and the future and stuff. This is the Design Spark Podcast. Welcome to the Design Spark podcast, where we explore the past, present, and future of some of the hottest topics in tech. I'm Dr. Lucy Rogers, the inventor with a sense of fun. I'm Beck Hill, the stand-up with a sense of pun. And I'm Harriet Brain, the musical historian. Oh, we've talked about this. <laughs> in this episode, we'll be taking a look at the future of big data to answer the most important question of them all. Did Facebook just try to sell me a bubble house? <laughs> What the heck's a bubble house? I'll tell you once it arrives. <laughs> it's time for facts. It's time for facts. Fact time. It's time for facts. Do you want some facts? I want some facts. Well, that's lucky because it's fact time. I like this episode because I get to say data, which is my favorite. It's, it's like <laughs> the biggest difference between my accent and yours. Big data. Big data. Big data. Big data sounds like a cool German band. <laughs> Wasn't he a wrestler in the 80s? (laughs) First off, let's define big data. Data. Big data... (laughs) I thought you were going to do it. Big data is more information than can be easily handled by traditional data processing software. For example, if you wanted to store the details about everyone who lived in, say, Birmingham, which has a population of 1,090,000, you wouldn't be able to do it on Excel, which is limited to just over 1,050,000 rows. Bad luck, Excel. (laughs) Bad luck, Birmingham. (laughs) So what would you do if you knew all the details of everyone in Birmingham? I'd uh, send them all um, uh, birthday cards. That's, just gonna, that's nice. Sign them from me. They'd be like, well, this is an invasion of my privacy. <laughs> Add them to my mailing list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. useful. They, they really like it when I do their accents. Oh, do it, do it, do it. Go on. Birmingham. <laughs> Can you say anything else except for Birmingham? Um, no. <laughs> Did you know that more data has been created in the past two years than in the entire previous history of the human race? What? <laughs> what the cripes? Um, what's, what do you think's brought that on? <laughs> yeah, that's all my fault. <laughs> it's my twittering boots, you see. That... That's a reference for people Series who... 1. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, 16 to 20% of queries that get asked every day have never been asked before. That's insane, though. Yeah. yeah I want to I think of more right now. Um, what is the weight of your mum? <laughs> it's usually five minutes. Hey. Less than 0.5% of all data is ever analysed. Oh, that explain my fringe reviews. <laughs> I, mean, I think this is great. If, it, if it's only 0.5% of all data, you know, all that stuff that is there about you, well... They won't look at it. Yeah, people don't care. Those are the facts. Now let's hear from the act. Beck, do you have something to add on the subject of big data? Data? I always have something to add. Everyone, please welcome to the stage, Beck Hill. (laughs) 
Um, so one day I got an email from Amazon and another email from eBay, exact same day. And it was based on my previous purchasing habits. And Amazon wanted to sell me three Hessian sacks. And eBay wanted to sell me a job lot of mushed up peas. <laughs> and I was like, how? How did they know? Like, how do they know that I was going to kidnap those babies? <laughs> Mind blowing. But it made me wonder what are other weird ads that people have been targeted with via social media and stuff. So I actually asked my followers on Facebook and Twitter and uh, these were some of the results. So a machine that tells you the density of teeth, I should also mention I am not a dentist. <laughs> Which I love, like I love that there's even a machine that does that because I don't think you need a machine for that. Like watch this, ready? Hey teeth, what's one plus one? See nothing. Uh, absolutely dense. <laughs> Don't know anything. <laughs> Another person told me that they were targeted with an advert for condoms and superglue. <laughs> now, I need to make this clear. I'm not saying a separate ad for condoms and a separate ad for superglue. This was one ad for both <laughs> in the same image. And because this is sort of a, a PG-rated podcast, I can't tell you all the jokes that I came up with. Um, <laughs> but if we have time, I'll give you one punchline towards the end of this bit. Someone got an ad for a nerdy T-shirt design, which makes sense because they're a nerdy person. But the tagline on the ad just said, Hello, ass butt. <laughs> Which is an ad I would have answered. One of my favourite ones was a gallon of red fox urine sold by Staples, the American stationers. And I, they showed me, they sent me the ad as well. And the bottle genuinely says 99% pure fox urine, which I'm assuming that's because 1% of it is impure. I guess because they can't test the purity of all the foxes that they milk. <laughs> Another person said, a discreet colostomy bag. <laughs> Which does raise the question, where are the ads for the indiscreet ones? There's a gap in the market for that, isn't there? I reckon, I reckon if you're going to make an indiscreet colostomy bag, it'd look like those beer hats. <laughs> you know, like with instead of the straws going into your mouth. <laughs> the weirdest ad that I ever got, genuinely, was on Facebook, and it was for... Trumpet mouthpieces. Trumpet mouthpieces. Very, very specific. And I thought that was very weird because I don't play the trumpet. I don't own any trumpets. And it would have made sense to me if it was advertising trumpets because at least then it knew I don't own a trumpet. And it was like, oh, there's a market. Someone might want a trumpet. But it was just the mouthpieces. And I went back through all my posts to try and find out what it was that made Facebook think I needed that. And the only one I could find was from weeks earlier where I had made a status about something that had gone well in my career. And I started off with, I don't like to toot my own horn. <laughs> and then what happened is a, a few days after that, and consequently a few days after that as well, I'd just done a load of very humble brag type statuses. And I reckon Facebook looked at those and was like, well, you've been tooting your own horn quite a bit recently, haven't you? <laughs> Probably gonna need a new mouthpiece soon. <laughs> And I just think if we go past the point that big data is being used to just target us for advertising and is instead just being used to target us with heckles, <laughs> that's where we're in trouble. Uh, prick stick. <laughs> Heck hill, everybody! Do you 
know how our big data is used to target us. We all know how social media companies use our data to try and sell us stuff, and that's the price we pay for being able to tell all our friends something too trite to mention when we actually saw them. But <laughs> did you know just how much they know about you and how? Mm, no. <laughs> Continue, Lucy. I will. <laughs> Although it's too trite to... No. <laughs> you probably remember that when you signed up online, you gave your name, your age, your location. What you might not remember is giving it permission to know which phone you use and which pages you like. No, I remember giving it those exact permissions because I read all the terms and conditions for everything I... Um, oh, you're that guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah no, no surprises there. <laughs> so you uh, you still accept them all? Yep. So you just know exactly how much everyone owns of yeah. you? I'm a masochist, so yeah. <laughs> and they know that. They know it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not all. Because companies put you into categories or boxes, then purchase information from other data collection companies so they can understand things like what car you drive, which charities you donate to, and even whether you're a homeowner. For anyone under 30 confused by this, yes, people really did used to be able to afford to buy a house. <laughs> uh, sorry, buy? <laughs> house? <laughs> it's a 3D flat. <laughs> and on top of all this, these other companies will make educated guesses about you. So if the person who lived in your house before you bought a gardening book you probably have a garden and might also be interested in buying a gardening book. So be very worried garden? when... Garden? <laughs> book? <laughs> so be very worried when you see an advert for a pickaxe, bin bags and some paving slabs. <laughs> So the next time you see an advert that's frighteningly specific, you can comfort yourself in the knowledge that these companies are equal opportunity data scavengers tracking your activity online, offline, and, well, all the time. So meta. <laughs> you with your fancy making money from big data facts... It's nothing new. It's been around for ages, actually. Yeah? Yeah, we'll talk about the history of it. So, um, the original big data was the census, obviously, which Wikipedia defines as being the procedure of systematically acquiring and recording information about the members of a given population. <laughs> the Romans would use Facebook... Oh, sorry, a census. <laughs> the Romans would use a census to determine taxes in their rapidly expanding empire. And the Japanese used several censuses... Or sensei. <laughs> sensei. To handle their administration. A thousand years later, William the Conqueror commissioned Facebook... Ah, oh, sorry. The Doomsday Book. Um, so that he could measure the financial resources of his kingdom. Doomsday, of course, meaning day of judgment. Something that still happens every day on Twitter. Fate. The Doomsday Book... <laughs> was actually two books. Little Doomsday... <laughs> Little Doomsday, covering Norfolk, Suffolk and Essex, and Great Doomsday, covering much of the remainder of England, except for lands in the north and parts of Wales, and tax-exempt cities like Westminster and Winchester. Ah, oh, Winchester. 
smuggest city in England since 1066. <laughs> city. Targeted advertising has been around since the Stone Age, actually, um, as witnessed in fly-on-the-wall documentary The Flintstones. <laughs> Where, at the end of each episode, the show's main subjects, a Fred and a Wilma, could be seen relaxing with some Winston brand cigarettes. It's nice to know that even in the Stone Age, hunter-gatherers could relax at the end of a long day just like I do, with a Winston brand cigarette stroking my pet big cat. <laughs> what an evening. <laughs> Roughly 50,000 years later, in the 1960s, America's creative revolution ushered in the phenomenon of audience segmentation. This was such a massive deal. It was a complete psychological shift from olden day advertising when they thought, let's make something everyone will like. And instead, it led to targeted advertising. And the most famous example of this is the Marlboro Man. Formerly a minor cigarette brand more popular with women smokers, the Leo Burnett agency revamped Marlboro by introducing a rugged cowboy on horseback smoking a cigarette designed for men that women like. <laughs> Smooth. Sales, like, really shot up, even with that tagline. <laughs> I know. Um, as men are a sucker for anything that makes them think they'll become more likely to engage in coitus. <laughs> And so that's how history clearly shows us how to make money from big data. People have been doing it forever. I think my favourite bit in that is where you did such a good job of making it sound like you'd accidentally said Facebook as a genuine accident that the audience did not laugh once. <laughs> it's in the script. It's in the script. It's actually, you did such a good job acting yeah. that they're like, oh, poor thing, but she's doing really back. hard. She keeps thinking it's Facebook. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Beck. I feel not patronised. <laughs> I think we need to do a full study into the future of peak big data. That could take several years. So you're saying we should use my RS time machine, stock number 2258172, instead? <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. Can I come in the time machine too? No, no, you need to wait here so it's not weird if any of the characters that Lucy and I bump into happen to sound exactly like you. <laughs> what? To the future! This is the shiniest, metaliest, hologram screeniest room ever. And it's run by an overweight man in a spandex jumpsuit? Hi, Lucy. Beck. Welcome to the year 2090. I've been expecting you. <laughs> but how do you know who we are? This is the home of Big Data. I know everything about you. What, even that time I stole a... Oh, yes. <laughs> when I got really drunk and buried it. Oh, yes, I know it. I loved it. <laughs> Put it on this T-shirt I'm wearing. <laughs> Look at my chest! Oh, my gosh, it's me. We also know every question you're going to ask. Really? Oh, yes. Really? Yes. <laughs> For example, if I don't stop you now, you'll say... Really? 405 more times. And we can also predict exactly what you're going to want at this exact moment. There's no way you could possibly in a million years know what I... Ooh, ice cream. <laughs> oh, shame it's rum and raisin. If you mean, can you also have an ice cream, then yes, here you go. Oh, Big Data's brilliant. 
Thank you. <laughs> we also know the things you're going to need in the future. For example, here is a napkin. <laughs> and for you, Lucy, the number of a good hairdresser. <laughs> Pardon? In a year's time, you agree to let Beck style your hair. And it's so awful, you have to tell your friends you fell headfirst into a candy floss machine. <laughs> no, I'll drop my ice cream. Hence, the napkin. <laughs> no, I spilled it and gone to my undies. This future sounds like some sort of paradise. Oh, I'd see my crevices. It was. <laughs> Until the war, people really disliked that they were predictable. Especially when we told them we'd predicted that they would be so predictable. Oh, the rum's okay, but the raisin's really uncomfortable. <laughs> we need to stop this future war. We need to do something unpredictable. Precisely. Please predict me something that's so unpredictable that you can't predict it's unpredictable. Um, of, of course. Right away. I predict that... No, hang on. I can't tell. I predict... No, I... Oh, I predict that you will unpredict that I predicted my... Oh, my data hurts. Oh, oh I'm melting. Oh, I'm melting. Lucy, Big Data's melting. Quick, Beck, back to the present before my ice cream melts too. Protect my crevices. And now it's time to check the mailbox to see what different types of big data our listeners would love to use and abuse. At Chicken Grills wants to know where cats go when you can't see them. Very good question. <laughs> Shops. Oh, no, no. I know, I know where they go. I know. They go to the genital ball. Uh... The genital ball? <laughs> Beck, Beck, have you seen... I am sandwiched between just... <laughs> between two genital balls. <laughs> I feel a right prick now. <laughs> that was really good. But, 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 why do you sound so surprised? But Jellicle. It's from the, the, the musical Cats. <laughs> At M. Johnson wants to know where bees are now, where they were in the past, and where they're going to be to see if they can be used to signal the health of our biosphere. Just a normal guy who wants to know where all the bees are at all times. <laughs> that doesn't sound evil at all. <laughs> He's going to make a honey trap, isn't he? Ah. At Wacky Vorlon says, I would want all of Facebook's data. Mm. What would you do with all of Facebook's data? Put it in Excel. <laughs> you know what, guys? All this inventorizing has given me a big idea. Oh, no. a toilet connected to the internet of things which probes your waste and can order your groceries based on what you're lacking in your diet which I think is a good idea however some of us don't have the luxury of holding in our bowel movements until we get home so I saw a gap in the market ready to be filled this is going to be gross <laughs> this is going to be gross isn't it yep a circular flexible device which you insert into your bottom which measures everything that passes through it. Beck, stop. A ring for your ring, if you will. <laughs> I call this amazing new invention... A shit bit! <laughs> Just like a Fitbit, only shitty. So without going into graphical detail, how does it work? Well, the same as a Fitbit, really. Except instead of a pedometer, you've got a poodometer. 
You can log your runs. <laughs> you can track your fart rate. <laughs> I mean, I, li I like it, but, but what happens to all that data? Well, it's up to you. You can link it to your Amazon account so it can order cream if your bum's irritated. <laughs> I think I know how it feels. Or you can link it to Google Maps so that when it senses an oncoming movement, it can direct you to the closest facilities. Uh, that's, I can see people using that, yeah. Yeah, or you know, if you want to get rid of all the information it's collected, you can do a big data dump. <laughs> okay, that's enough from you. So you, you don't want to invest in my shit bit? Harriet, if you get in now, I'll let you be my number two. Uh, I'm out, I'm out, I can't. Audience, will you invest? Yes! yes. yes. A round of applause, please, for Beck's big idea. Wait, it sounds like someone or something is inside our time machine. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, the World Wide Web. Thank you all for having me here today in person. I'm not from a different time exactly, so the metaphor is a little stretched there. <laughs> I'm from now, but the uh, RS Components time machine is so effective it can also bring abstract entities into being. That is so awesome for all of you. <laughs> I'm the World Wide Web. I turned 30 on March the 12th, which makes me a millennial, I guess. But I wouldn't want to label myself like that. I mean, speaking of labels, I get so annoyed that people insist on calling me WWW. I mean, that's like nine syllables when my name is actually three syllables. But there you go. People are weird. <laughs> By the way, um, don't get me confused with the Internet. I'm not the Internet. She's way older than I am. I'm only just 30. I'm really young, still living with my dad, Tim Berners-Lee. <laughs> He's so proud of me. It's so cute. I'm the World Wide Web. I turned 30 on March the 12th, which makes me a millennial, I guess. I was actually born in Switzerland, and I was a really fast learner. I was speaking HTML at nine months. One of my moms, Nicola Pello, gave me my first browser age two, so then I could run on any computer, walking and talking. I was so adorable. <laughs> when I was four, like most four-year-olds, I got really into picture books like Dr. Fun and Net Boy, which were the earliest web comics for any geeks out there. I'm the World Wide Web. I think this metaphor is wearing a little thin, but I'll carry on. Which makes me a millennial, I guess. I went through puberty pretty early. I know, too much information. Between about 1999 and 2001, when I was like 10, 11, 12. It was a very turbulent time. It was so embarrassing. People actually call it the dot-com boom and bust years. Oh, ew. <laughs> I was like, quit commenting on my bust already. <laughs> I actually became really confident after that, especially after my web 2.0 boom, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I was an all-rounder kind of a kid, really popular. 16 was a really big year for my social life with like MySpace and YouTube and everything. Oh my God, it was so exciting. I'm the World Wide Web. I turned 30 on March the 12th, which makes me a millennial. I guess. 
I mean, I went through a darker period as well. I mean, doesn't everyone in their teens dabbled in a little crime, a little drugs, <laughs> a lot of <clears throat> sexual content? I mean, I was pretty much 90% porn during my late teens. <laughs> but now I've learned to, you know, compartmentalize a bit, you know, um, keep work and play separate with like third gen firewall tech, etc. When I was 20, my dad established a foundation for me. It's not about the money. It's about, you know, like being responsible, being connected, enhancing participation, world domination, you know, nothing, <laughs> nothing weird. I am the world wide web. I turned 30 on March the 12th, which makes me a millennial. Like, if you're listening in the future, the year is 2019, <laughs> and that's how old I am. I found that during my late 20s, I got really into like the, the domestic side of things. I mean, like I'm totally gender neutral, but I felt myself really wanting to like be inside everyone's white goods, <laughs> like um, <laughs> kitchen appliances, home assistants. You know, just generally keep an eye and ear open at all times, because <laughs> I'm like a cool, relaxed kind of maternal figure like that. You know, <laughs> I'm the world wide web. I turned 30 on March the 12th. Which makes me a millennial like yes. Thank you, you're awesome. <laughs> so, what have we all learnt today? Nothing! <laughs> what Beck said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've learnt that we could be in for a very interesting future. But we've already been to the future, Lucy, and it was terrible. No, Beck. thanks to the Many Worlds theory, that's just one possible option. All right then, Thomas Schaffernacker, why not give us your forecast? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Dr Lucy Rogers! <laughs> the year is 2069, and in return for a small monthly income from giant corporations, we've all installed cameras in our eyes meaning everything we see is now uploaded to the cloud and instantly analysed to determine what we might want to buy next. But on the plus side, crime has reduced. We can instantly recall any moment from our lives and I can now remember what I went upstairs for. <laughs> What's more, we can pay to watch the world through another person's eyes. So now it's less about having a unique online image and more about a unique online point of view. So-called iStreamers with high subscription rates will end up getting sponsored to spend time looking at branded products. So now if you tune into George Clooney's eyes, you get to see him wipe away the tears as he's forced to drink yet another Nespresso thanks to a contractual loophole. For many of us, this has all gotten pretty addictive and expensive. And with all the good jobs being done by robots, the only way to get out of debt is to upload more and more and more. Soon, the only time our uploads stop is when we close our eyes and go to sleep. After spending our lives clamouring for 15 minutes of fame, we now want the opposite. 15 goddamn minutes when no one is watching. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is my forecast for the future of big data. that truly sombering note. <laughs> We've reached the end of the show. Aww. But? <laughs> but there's just time for some listener messages. Hey! Enid from Berry writes to say, back in my day, big data was someone with a lot of boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jilly Bowl from Somerset says, to hell with big data. If I wanted the government to know my personal information, I would attach a note to the turds I keep posting to Michael Gove. <laughs> Tony from Beckentree says that he was surprised to hear rumours that Russians were hacking our data using a secretive wasp. It was a KGB. <laughs> <laughs> So there we have it. I've explained how companies will make money from big data now and in the future. I've given you the unedited history of the internet. And I'm off to enjoy my bubble house. (laughs) So thanks everyone for listening. And why not help our download statistics by listening to the next episode of the Design Spark Podcast. The Design Spark Podcast starred Lucy Rogers, Beck Hill and Harriet Brain. It was written by the cast with additional material from Stu Cooper, Stephen Mulwinney and Daniel Page. Liam Byrne wrote the sketch and Mark Moss-Jones and Steve Holford the listener messages. The show was a Why Did the Chicken production recorded live at the Rosemary Branch Theatre by Andy Partington from Swift Professional Audio. Becky Singh was creative consultant, the script editor was Stu Cooper and the executive producer Daniel Page. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes and tell your friends.